Diaguich, Diaspermaguich. Hello and welcome to Feckin' Football episode 6. This is your host, Toomey. I don't reveal my first name and I never will. Unless you already know my first name, you will never know my first name. And even a cursory Google search won't give you the answers that you crave. Happy New Year. It's the 11th of January when I'm recording this. And as my wife has told me, I, she's going to leave me with some space to talk to myself. So I'm back. Back in the saddle after a bit of a hiatus. I was planning on coming back last week after Christmas. But that first week in January, the cobwebs, etc. were kind of engulfing my mind and my brain. And my enjoyment of football and podcasting and everything as it was in the shades of grey and black and white as the coronavirus numbers increased hugely but i feel grand today so why not go back into feckin football this is from the feckin check-in podcast network but for tonight or this morning or this afternoon or this evening It's just going to be little old me, me talking into a microphone in my living room in my apartment while I banished my wife to the bedroom to catch up on some work emails. So I better make it entertaining for you, for me. This better be good. And now it's time to talk about some football. Ka. Zuyashi Miru. That's an interesting name, isn't it? It's a Japanese name. Ka Zuyashi Miru. Ka Zuyashi. That's an interesting Miru. name, isn't it? It's a Japanese. That's name. an interesting name, isn't it? It's a Japanese name. It's a Japanese name. It's a Japanese name. Ka Zuyashi Miru. That's an interesting name, isn't it? This gentleman is the oldest player to ever play in a top league. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I just know that he's 53 and he's the oldest modern day player. I think Sir Stanley, Stanley Matthews played into his 50s. Um, maybe you'll be able to Google that. But I just thought it was interesting that this came up in my Twitter feed this week from the Gunner blog uh, Twitter page, Gunner Blog being part part of the Ars Blog podcast and run by James McNicholas, who writes for The Athletic. Anyway, he was sharing a, an image of Kazuyashi Biro, 53. He's just signed his contract with Yokohama FC, who play in the J1 League in Japan. He started playing football in 1986. That's right. He started playing football in 1986. I was born in 1980. Uh, Censored. So he's very close to when I was born. So he's been playing football at the top flight in Japan since the 1980s. He's a striker. He joined his current club, Yokohama FC, aged 38. And he's the oldest player to score a goal in modern football, aged 50. So... Why am I talking about him? Well, I just thought that was interesting. And it also makes me reflect on diets and nutrition and how the Japanese are always ahead on that type of thing. 
that they're one of the oldest populations in the world, if not the oldest. In fact, I think the the island to the south of Japan called Okinawa has the oldest people or the oldest group of people in the world. And as everybody who has a bit of knowledge of Japan knows, they eat a lot of fish. They're very disciplined in, the, in their diets. Um, and it's, I'm going to repeat myself, it's one of the, it is the oldest population in the world. How about that? How about I just come out and say that? Um, and why is that relevant to me? And why is it relevant to you? Well, I am 30 years old and I thought that my days of playing football were finished. But when I look at it, I think my nutrition, my diet, my exercise, everything at the age that I am now in my mid-30s is better than it was in my early 20s. I think I, I exercise about five or six times a week. I think back in my when I was in my early 20s, which would have been the uh, mid-2000s, that would have just about be becoming the norm. But in the 1990s, when I was in my teenage years, it wasn't the norm at all. In fact, it used to be a big thing to, to train three times a week for football. That was all you did for your fitness. Um, so it's interesting. We kind of give up in our 30s sometimes, but then, then we think, actually, I'm fitter than I've ever been. And could I actually go back and grace the Leinster Senior League for one final bow? I think people at my age just have that little bit of last bit of uh, fight in us where we have we, we don't want to go into the night without swinging. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, still going strong. I think he's in his late 30s, 39, is he? 40 or 41? He's, he's aged 39 to 41, I believe. One of those ages. He's still going strong. Cristiano Ronaldo getting on. At the top, elite level, really old. I think if we really want to, we can play low-level, casual Sunday league football into our 40s. The King of Ping could play right back for Wayside Celtic until he's 57 if he wants to. He never drank. But this isn't about him. I won't go into a big uh, soliloquy about the King of Ping. The point is that our conception of when we should retire and when we should stop playing football Maybe that's a bit outdated because a 30-year-old now is not the same as a 30-year-old 10 years ago. And a 40-year-old now is maybe equal to a 30-year-old in the late 1990s in terms of fitness, in terms of lifestyle, in terms of nutrition. So if you're thinking of going back for one last crack at it, if you can stay injury-free, you can do it. You can play a role. You can play that holding midfielder role. You can play left back on the bench, <laughs> etc. And I think the only thing that would hold me back from giving it one last crack is the banter in the dressing rooms. I've never enjoyed dressing room banter. Some people love it. You go in and you say hello and there's some sort of joke about somebody. There's a hierarchy. The best players on the team happen to be also the most popular people on the team when they make jokes and there's about four or five of them in the gang and people hang on their every word, and they're a higher, they're the top of the hierarchy. And if you're not in that, and you're you're low on confidence, and you can't express yourself on the pitch or off the pitch, then sometimes it's not as comfortable uh, environment as it is for the good players. So the FA Cup was on this weekend. Um, interesting 
as always, the FA Cup, it's always a bit meh, isn't it? It's always a bit like, do I really care about the FA Cup? Should I care? It's always that guilt. I should care about the FA Cup. The FA Cup, to the non-familiar with football listener, I don't know why you're listening to this, but the FA Cup being the domestic cup competition, it's a knockout competition in England where they let in all of the teams across all of the divisions. No matter how low you are, they, you have a chance to get into the FA Cup. Um, so there were some interesting matches. The most interesting was Marine versus Marine versus Jose Mourinho's Spurs. And it was a standard 4-0 victory for Spurs, but it was just really interesting to see all the houses and all the background of Marine. I don't know what Marine is or where it is, but there was just a really nice landscape of the green field and all of the buildings behind it. You never really see that in football. The rest of the FA Cup, yeah, there were some shocks. Crowley Town beating Leeds United 3-0. But again, I just feel... Like it's that guilt factor. I should care about this, but I don't. I don't care about this because Leeds United played barely none. They barely one or two of of their first team players. So they brought in lots of reserves, lots of youth team players who had never played with each other in the Leeds first team. And they kind of put them all together in a higgledy-piggledy hodgepodge and suddenly Crowley Town, who are a really, really low division team from Division X from the planet Zord, they were able to beat Leeds United. And is that such a shock? Because Crowley Town play together week in, week out. Um, they've got cohesion. And there's always a chance a cohesive unit of less skilled players will get the look or work harder or have more of a game plan than higgledy-piggledy hodgepodge thrown together. So. Those types of shocks don't really excite me or get the juices flowing. In the old days, squads were uh, smaller. Uh, I think, I could be talking out of my arse here, but it seemed to to mean something more when the big teams were knocked out of the FA Cup because you wouldn't have your second team playing in the FA Cup. You'd have your first team playing. I think that's all I want to say about the FA Cup. Just having a drink of water there, would you believe? Cranberry juice and water is what I'm drinking tonight. And having little small chocolates. I think we're all past that kind of Christmas chocolate binge phase where I'm kind of now just kind of weaning myself off, just having those small bits of chocolate. I don't even want chocolate as much anymore. I'm just gradually weaning off. In work, I don't really eat chocolate. I eat a lot of fruit in my lunchbox. And that's right, I am going into work every day because that's my line of work but if you don't know me you'll never find out what that is because i keep that hidden from the listener and i also keep my first name hidden from the listener as well so just a couple of other points this week um the messiah jack Byrne. jack Byrne is gone to cyprus of course he went over to play with apoil and the scotiaire or whatever they're called he followed Mick McAfee, Mick McAfee, got a job. And he was eight games into his job over in Cyprus. He came calling for Jack Byrne, who he had called up to one or two Irish squads before and who he had watched a few times in the League of Ireland. And he saw Jack Byrne was the best player in the League of Ireland for a couple of years in a row. 
and he decided that Jack Byrne would be a good fit out in Nicosia and Cyprus. So he brought him out and he brought him on as a substitute in his first game. They lost that game. And then the next day, Mick McCarthy was sacked, fired. Um, and that's pretty bad for, for Jack Byrne now, who's just left Ireland. He's, a, by all accounts, a family man. He's, he's had time abroad playing football, just kind of settled back, very happy in Ireland, on less money than, than he would get them if he played abroad. So he takes the plunge, goes over to Cyprus, but then the guy who brought him over is gone next day. I just think this is a weird, weird situation for old Jack Byrne, the Messiah. Some people thinking he's fucked. Other people saying that, well, he's so talented that he will break into that uh, Cypriot team and he will start for them. And then that will open up more doors. And I think that will be the case. I think he's a, a great player. I think he's a lot of potential. But this will be an interesting challenge for him. It's just a weird challenge for him because he never would have went to Cyprus in the first place. But if he is listening, all the best to him. Best of luck to Jack Byrne, great player. Uh, great technical Irish player, which is great to see. Um, and it's rare in Ireland. Although it's increasing more, a lot of the younger players are more technically gifted and more technically proficient, I should say, than the older players. Um, Cyprus, Jack, one thing I would say about that, I was on holidays there. If you can drive, it's a great place to be able to drive around. It's You can drive from one end of the country. It's a small enough island. You can drive from one end to the other in about three or four hours. And there's lots of coastal little towns and villages around and lots of nice different beaches. So even if he's not enjoying the football, it's a great place to be, Cyprus. I don't know what they're like for coronavirus at the moment, but because it's an island kind of on the far end of Europe, maybe they're not. Uh, suffering too badly but that's just pure speculation on my, on my part finally this evening Unfected Football episode 6 Man United are having a title challenge they're back and as a casual Man United fan I've who has been following the Premier League closely since Man United dropped out of title contention, the last 10-ish years when United haven't been challenging for the title have just been empty and boring. With the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City up there, Tottenham and Leicester even up there. And football is not the same unless your team is doing really well. It's just much more exciting. Everything takes on a new relevance. And the fixtures matter, the Transfers matter. The team selections matter. That's what football is kind of about, really, isn't it? The suspense. And I wonder, how do you become a mid-table supporter? I think you you have to condition yourself to being satisfied with less. I just don't know how those teams do it. Like the likes of Southampton, where I lived for three years. Like knowing that you're never really going to win the league. Although they're probably excited at the moment. But when I lived in, in Southampton for three years, I just remember a lot of the people in the city just trudging down to St. Mary's to watch Southampton play. Trudging down. There was no sense of amazing excitement in the air. There was no it was a night there was nice novelty fixtures. I I went to a match, Southampton versus Man City. That was a real novelty. And it was this Southampton won. 
think it was 2 0 they won. And it was Mane was playing at that time, and Shane Long was doing well. And it was a nice occasion, and the fans got into it. But those those games were the, were the rare treat where there was something more important going on. It was a, a, an occasion. Most of the time, it was just drab games against West Ham when Andy Carroll was playing for West Ham. And you know, the most interesting part of the match sometimes would be looking at Andy Carroll and see can he actually rediscover his form. He's now playing with Newcastle, of course. I feel like I've been waiting for Andy Carroll to rediscover his, discover his form for years. He's 32 now. But I digress. So the Premier League is very interesting this year. Liverpool, I think, are favourites. Man City are probably second favourites. And then Man United are probably third favourites. I think Leicester are the next team. And then Tottenham are around there as well. I think Liverpool and Man City are just that little bit ahead. I think Man City are very, very good. Just coming up under the radar, back on the radar. And they've got their systems in place. They're, They're in good form. They don't have too many injuries, unlike some of the other teams like Liverpool. Um, so I would say Liverpool are my favourites to win in Man City. But as a Man United fan, uh, it's just great to see them in the mix. So this was Feckin' Football episode six, short and sweet, coming in at about 20 minutes, a bit under that. Hope you enjoyed it. You can follow me on Twitter at Feckin' Football. And this is part of the Feckin' Check-In Podcast Network. Now I do other... The Feckin' Check-In, that's my main podcast. I do that with my good friend, Professor T. Check that out. We're coming back with an episode for that towards the end of January. And also, we have another podcast on the network called Feckin' Metal. That's a heavy metal podcast. So check check our our overall Twitter page out, Feckin' Check-In, at Feckin' Check-In. And I think that's it for now. So I bid you adieu. Take care. Look after yourselves. Good night. Goodbye. And something, 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 something. Bye bye.